0: The Blaze's conservative millennial, Allie Stuckey, joins in studio to discuss the whiniest generation. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then, Dr. Bickley and Emily Butler join the panel of deplorables to discuss Republican propaganda, my favorite, Jimmy Kimmel's latest humorless hacking for Democrats, and meat-eating vegetarians. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. My cup, it runneth over. My leftist tears mug, it runneth over. This week. Yesterday you saw we had roaming come in. We had we had my first day with roaming. And today, back to back, we're joined by Allie Stuckey, all the way from Texas, in the studio. So we have to talk. You I think you are the foremost expert on whiny snowflakes.
1: This is true. And and by the way, officially.
0: You know, I am in in a previous life, I've been an actor. I've been in numerous terrible indie movies that nobody's <laughs> seen except at three in the morning on cable, you you are teaching me things about the art of method acting. Can you yes. show the latest clip of Ally Stuckey?
1: So I just graduated from college last week, at um, Harvard actually, and I started my new job on Monday. So obviously on Sunday night, I wanted to go out with my friends and celebrate. Um, it was a late night, so Monday morning, first day, I rolled in around 10.30, set up my desk, and <laughs> my boss, My white male boss had the audacity to come up to me and say, where have you been? Where have I been? Well, I've been celebrating and I've been partying, and then I've been sleeping, and I've been resting, because you know what? This is a stressful time, and you know what? I feel a little bit pressured and a little bit endangered right now. I do not feel safe, so I'll just leave and come back when you've changed your tune, Mr. White Male Boss, and you know what he said to me? He said, you can pack up your stuff and go, and I said, what did you just say to me? I can pack up my stuff and go. I'm fired just because I was late on my first day to work, and because I'm not doing anything? Are you kidding me? I mean, talk about sexism. this is the white male patriarchy at work right here. Talk about discrimination. So now it's Tuesday. I'm back. I've got my protesting signs in the trunk and I am going to show them who's boss and I am going to show them that this millennial generation is not taking that crap from baby version Xers. Okay, we are going to do whatever we want to. And if we can't do that, and if we don't feel safe, then we're just going to quit. And that is a real threat.
2: Give this woman an Oscar, somebody get, that
0: was the most incredible performance, not just of a millennial, but the most incredible performance I've seen in years. That, you know, I just well, saw, I,
1: I appreciate that. It,
0: it was absolutely, especially the, the words, I feel endangered, I feel unsafe. But it, it really, it, I, I'm, I'm not being facetious in any way. You nail so many points from <gasps> beginning to end. Well,
1: thank you. Of, yeah,
0: the, the craziness. Now, uh, by the way, just uh, maybe uh, people who are listening or watching don't believe me. Here is a clip from my own dear beleaguered alma mater, Yale, from just uh, two years ago. Here's a clip of an actual millennial snowflake.
1: position as master it is your job to create a place of comfort and home for the students that live in Silliman. You have
0: not done that. By sending out that email, that goes against your position as master. Do you
1: understand that? Then no, I stop. don't
3: agree with that.
1: Then, then who I have the f- hired you! I
3: have a different vision. You should than
1: step me. down! If that is what you think about being a master, you should step down! It is not about creating an intellectual space! It is not! Do you understand that? It's about creating a home here! You are not doing that! You're, You're supposed to be our to advocate! That. You should be at the Venles when you hear her Franco say that she didn't know how to create a safe space for her freshman instalment! How do you explain that? These
0: freshmen tell me and they think this is what Yale is? Uh, all right, goodbye, everybody. I can't. I can't I do think. a show after watching that. But, by the way, just for the record, that Yale student was a girl named Geraldine Luther. And she, who asked who the F hired you, she was on the committee that gave him his position. She was a student on the committee that hired him. Just a, a little bit of fun.
1: I so, would have loved if he had just answered her and said, Well, actually, it was you. You did. You, my dear.
0: Watching that, I actually do think maybe you need to up the hysteria in your own satirical performances. I know. But I have to ask you channeling uh, the movie as good as it gets, yeah. how, how do you play millennials so well?
1: Okay, this is my tried and true method. You can adopt it if you want to for the next time mm-hmm. you audition for an indie film. Yeah, well, So take notes. I, I, turn on the news. I hear something. I see a clip like this, and I'm like, wow, this is this is really happening. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I always get in my car. I don't know why. I get in my car and I say, okay, let me like channel these people. Let me mm-hmm. make sure that my brain turns to mush. Well, it's
0: because it's a safe space. Yes, in your car.
1: and try yeah. to dial back my. Uh, um, what's that called, EQ, emotional intelligence, Uh um, back to like age 12, 11 or something like that and then I just kinda go from there. Really, I just turn on my camera and I start talking. I don't like write it out or anything. That's how easy it is because it mirrors reality so closely. Um, That's probably why the majority of people that watch them think that I'm serious.
0: Mm Do they? They actually, they can't tell the satire from the reality.
1: No, no, they can't. And they just blow right past the fact that it's called the conservative millennial, and they Mm. just start typing away, but that's just internet trolls for you.
0: This raises a a real question that I have for the culture at this moment, especially this generation. Are they beyond satire? Have they transcended (laughs) parody to the point that they have so embraced the absurd that it can't be funny anymore?
1: yeah when you call when you call the absurd sad. to
0: an absurd person, it nothing rings funny. There's no standard anymore
1: right. It's just sad. We were talking about this earlier. If you live in irony, is anything really Ooh. ironic anymore, mm-hmm. or is it just reality? When do we lose sight of what's irony and what's not? I love irony. that's probably more what this is than satire. I, I just like playing upon the ridiculousness of the irony in which they live unknowingly. Um, but unfortunately, so many people live in that space that it is very hard to distinguish between what's true and what's not. Um, but that's okay. I think that's all the more reason to do it. So people hear the absurdity and the illogic at the core of their argument so they can say, wow, is that really what I sound like?
0: And But do they hear it? Is there? These millennials. I mean, we could do we could do the show every day about how insane this generation of people is. Yeah. Basically, we do that anyway. But do they? Do we give them in any way a bad rap? Like, what is causing it? On the one hand, it's hilarious. It's great to laugh at this uh, chick at Yale who's screeching in her betters' face. But on the other hand. It's really sad. It's sad to see ignorant students uh, saying, we don't want to learn anything. We think that we know the whole world, and we're going to invade against you and get you fired.
1: Yeah. Well, unfortunately it's kind of a long history lesson. I think, I think it goes back to our parents and the generation before that. And then the generation before that, I think the further, my personal theory is the further we get away from the great depression and the great wars, the further we are, or the closer we are to entitlement, the further we are away from hard work and really understanding what it means to work hard for the, for a dollar, what the value of a dollar is and not having, um, the privilege of having helicopter parents and parents that convince you that you are special no matter what, honorable mentions, trophy, participation trophy, all those things are relatively new. Um, And we didn't choose them. Unfortunately, our parents did. And so I can't say, of course, it's such like a millennial to kind of shift responsibility, but it's not all of our fault that we don't take responsibility. It's mom and dad's fault that I don't take responsibility. Duh,
0: duh. Um,
1: But really, I mean, that's part of it. And so... (laughs) And then, of course, the last eight years of Barack Obama's presidency certainly didn't help that. Mm. If we were predisposed to being entitled, um, certainly everything that Obama stood for, I think, conditioned that even further. And that was evidenced by the fact that Bernie Sanders received more votes from millennials than Trump and Clinton did combined. Um, So it just kind of feeds into our predisposition for wanting free stuff and thinking that we deserve not just material things, but also to be... Um, intellectually coddled
0: that the world that the world is fair that the world owes you something but how is it this brings up two questions not all of us are insane not all of us have lost our minds and that's some true. people are that's bum. Us, right here you and me babe we're going to we're going to go on and save america yep. but really i mean there is this young right wing movement that yeah. does cut through this craziness so is it that soft times can't make great men you know they you really you're a product of your times is there any way to cut through that and and then we'll have to talk about Texas and California but is there how do we rise above it when we, we grew up in basically a luxurious time
1: yeah, um, I think probably the first thing that I always advise millennials and especially college students to do, which by the way I found out for the first time when I was uh, speaking out of college the other day, I was talking about millennials and you know entitlement, everything we're talking about, and this little guy raised his hand and he was like, "Oh, by the way, we're actually not millennials, we're Generation Z," That's and I realized right. for the first time that I'm old. Um, but anyway how to break through that I mean I always tell the first the first thing I tell people is to read just read I mean our parents read so much more than we ever did all we do is scroll through our ideological echo chambers made possible by a Facebook algorithm
0: But you know what I always say I'm sorry to contradict you I always say to watch a lot of podcasts watch the podcasts send them to your friends particularly podcasts young people you bring a lot of young people on anyway that's just my two cents but you think we should read books Boring. I do
1: I do think we can, we can read books, but there are other ways. So if you're not a reader, if you don't like to read, you can also listen to podcasts. For example, I listen to this podcast. I also listen to liberal podcasts. I listen to Pod Save America. I
0: love I love the liberal podcasts Pod Save America. They, they. Are, I, maybe it's, it's not proper etiquette to talk badly about people on, on the left doing podcasts. It's terrible. I mean, they're so Where do you bad. think I
1: get all the material there, for is, my satire? Un- I listen to Pod Save America. I'm like, okay, got it. My, got the snowflake down.
0: My fiance, sweet little Lisa, turned me on to this. She said, like, I, I, li- I listened to all of your shows, so I wanted to listen to some left wing. There are no arguments. It's just exasperation and yes. swear words. Yes. And exasperation. There's, and there's more exasperation. <laughs> and there are no arguments. In words, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yes. Those are my favorites.
1: Yeah, so I think it takes more effort probably than it used to to break out of our ideological echo chamber simply because everything that has been made convenient to us in the form of, you know, social media and information that we get from social media, it's tailored to what we already think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, especially if you are on the left, then all you're going to get is someone that bolsters your bias. Um, and if that's the case, then feelings of entitlement and, uh, and everything that we've just been talking about is only going to increase. So what I encourage people to do, people like you and me who are just terribly logical, it's because we do break out of those echo chambers and we allow ourselves to be intellectually, cha- um, yeah, intellectually challenged. That kind of sounds like that's a bad thing, but intellectually, um, I guess, um, what am I trying to say? Just uh, help me to
0: edified edified yes, let's say. i, guess, I, I, guess I know I, I am I, what I, d- is what just like I really you like. i'm very often overwhelmed by the strength of my own logic it's really right. it's the weight of glory is what it is right i feel a great weight of glory no i agree with you obviously it uh, you need a curiosity and people who think the world owes them something often aren't that curious now this brings me to my this is my sales pitch to you is that you you're in texas yes there are a lot of Great outlets like the Blaze, Steve Gratters in Texas. A lot of people are there. I've never lived in a conservative place in my whole life. I've only lived in New York. I lived in New Haven, a very liberal campus, Los Angeles. Is it better for conservatives to live in red states or blue states? Or should we be surrounded by people with whom we agree or people who are absolutely out of their minds?
1: That's a really good question. Well, I just fear for you people that are over here <laughs> in California. Yeah. Yes, that y'all are going to end up betraying us. Because, see, mm. in Texas, I'm around so many other conservatives that when the rest of the world is going crazy, we're like, okay, this secession thing, Like, are we going to do it? And we can kind of bond over that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all are kind of, you know, y'all are isolated. So I just fear for you guys that y'all are going to end up going off the deep end. And y'all are going to be peer pressured into liberalism.
0: The other fear for our lives is that... Uh, you know, every time Steve Cratter gets jihaded in Texas, right. he can uh, go reach for one of the seven thousand guns within uh, arm's length.
1: Yes, here it's a much can't more do difficult. That. Mm-hmm. I don't know even how y'all deal with that. Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest worry.
0: That it is true. It's really hard. I think in California now it's illegal to possess even one round of ammo. You can only have zero round magazines in your guns. <laughs> Perfect. And, mm-hmm, yeah, it's uh, Perfect. we're gonna figure out a workaround for it. Hopefully. <laughs>
1: I think that's my next satire video. Uh,
0: yeah, Excellent. There there we go. I'll yeah. take a story credit.
1: Okay. Because I've always,
0: I've liked being in left-wing places because it has totally, you have to defend your views.
1: That's constantly. true. That's a really good point. You become an apologist for conservatism.
0: You have, yeah. I mean, I think Yale, I, I totally see your fear. I think most normal people go to Yale. And then ninety seven percent of them become left wing automatons. But there's this great three percent that come out like more reactionary than Genghis Khan. You know, you come out just <laughs> like so... stronger
1: than ever. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean probably too far, you know. Yeah. But that, that that you just react against it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important. I think that you set a great example for the rest of us millennials. Whether, you're on, right, whether you're on the right, whether you're on the right or the left, Ooh. you make absolutely a good point that we all should become apologists for our beliefs. Mm. Um, and I don't necessarily have to do that quite as much when I work at the Blaze and live in Texas. I went to school in South Carolina and then I lived in Georgia, so I'm just like bouncing around to the but, red well, states.
0: This is interesting too, though, and I, we have a game that we have to get to. This is I've been planning this out all morning. This is. <laughs> I think it's the hardest game. It's harder than chess or Go, that, that Chinese game. But we'll get to that in one second. Because I see a, I see your point. A lot of times people who grow up with an idea, they rebel against it. They get bored with it. They right. don't. It, it's easy to fall away. The easiest way to find an ex-Catholic is to see who went to Catholic school. And then they always end up becoming atheists afterward because they don't like the nuns. You've always been a conservative.
1: Yes. You've always been a Christian. I have. Yes, I have. I Grew up a conservative Christian. We grew up watching Fox News. My dad's oh. actually a politician in Texas. Sounds like paradise. So I know. It, it sounds like I didn't have much of a choice. They brainwashed me from an early but
0: age. You, but you didn't rebel.
1: No. Well, I, no, I didn't rebel. Actually, I would say in college, um, my ideas strengthened even further, um, even from a faith standpoint and from a political standpoint. I didn't actually get into politics until a couple years after college when I looked around and realized that all of my very well-informed and well-educated friends just had no idea what was going on in the world and mm-hmm. how it related to them which is why I birthed to the conservative millennial and started making videos mostly for my friends. And, and then, then it
0: took off immediately and you were picked up by the blaze. It, like, not instantly. immediately,
1: not immediately, <laughs> not immediately. It took, it took a little bit, um, but it, yeah, it didn't take very long. And now I'm on the Michael Knowles show, so I'm just gonna retire <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. you reached
0: the peak. It's all downhill from here, Allie. It's it, all, okay. do you think, because we, I, I ask this question a lot. I, we, I always get this in the mailbag. How much does the Jesus matter to the conservatism? I, I think it was uh, hmm. a friend of mine, Elena Plot, once described ca- uh, conservatism as Jesus, guns, and capitalism. Do, how, how important is a Christianity or a belief in God to this huge generation of nuns, people who grew up without religion? How important is the religion to conservative policy?
1: Yeah, well, I think that conservatism is It is necessarily a little bit subjective, and so it kind of depends on what exactly you feel is most important to conserve. I certainly don't think it's absolutely necessary to be a Christian or even to believe in God, to believe that the Constitution is inherently good and that it's a a good foundation upon which we should be building our country. I don't think necessarily you have to believe in a higher power to do that. I think it absolutely helps. I think it helps to say this is where my moral compass comes from because Jesus told me that I am supposed to love others the way that I love myself. I can always go back to that. Um, And so, yes, it kind of, I guess, makes it easier in a way um, or they go hand in hand very well um, because, say, you don't have a faith at all, it very easily, to me, goes into the direction of saying, well, why would you have to care about anyone except Mm -hmm. for, you know, survival of the fittest? So for me, they go hand in hand very well. However, I have a very good friend who is an atheist, who doesn't believe in any way that you need religion to be a great person or to be a conservative, and it works for him. So I certainly can't tell him that he's not a true conservative, um, at least in the secular sense, simply because he doesn't believe in God. Yeah,
0: and he might be a conservative, but he might. uh, Andrew Klavan always says, you can be a conservative and an atheist, you just can't make sense. And so it might well be the case that a conservative thinks well, life, liberty, and property are pretty good things to, to call natural rights. And they might uh, believe that and they might want to promote that. And that, that's all well and good by me. Right. But they might not understand why those are natural right. rights.
1: Right. And what I would say to that as well and what I have told my atheist friend is that by holding on to those things without the foundation uh, or without God being the foundation of those things, you still have a faith. Mm-hmm. You were just saying that you don't believe in, in in anything, but you actually have a faith in that, and you mm-hmm. have a faith in what our Constitution says. You're just choosing to not put your faith in God, but you still have a faith. You have a faith. So that is yeah. that's a good point that he makes.
0: Hopefully, it won't be ripped up like the bad seeds that fall on the side of the road. A warning to you, atheist conservatives.
1: Whoa, parables coming out. How
0: about that? Okay, we're getting too serious. We're getting into parables and mustard seeds. So now we have to get to this game. Basically, this is I call this game. I've passed you out little cards. You'll notice the cards say under 10 or over 20. The purpose of this game is to – I'm going to have Marshall read out a quote, and the quote was either said by a millennial or an adult or some whiny adult or a toddler or a young child. So it's going to be – you have to guess based on just the quote whether the person is uh, under 10 or over 20. For this, we're going to have to bring on uh, our other two panelists – we have Emily Butler, and we have Dr. Bickley, the doctor himself, PhD, In MD, LOL, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Get That's ready, rad. this is a very important game. The points really, really matter.
2: All right, <laughs> is everybody ready for the questions?
0: I, I am ready, Marshall. Right, Shoot when you're, w- clear. when you're ready to go. go.
2: The first quote. In my heart, I'm still little. Uh, I, I could have heard that at Yale. I'm gonna go with over twenty. Okay, that is a nine-year-old named yeah. Samantha. And, uh, did we all? We all said over twenty.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, right. I'm like you are. You start off
2: Maybe, we're, thinking, maybe what we're overthinking. Is, we got
1: tripped up.
0: Quote:
2: You're treating me like I'm a child.
0: <laughs> You're. That There is an obvious answer to this, right? Under ten. Under ten. You're treating me like I'm a child. Under ten.
2: The answer is. 21-year-old, Cora Miriam. Triglypuff. It was Triggly Triggly Puff.
0: Puff. Can do it. That Aww. That is a trick oh. question. That was Trigglypuff. All right. Who Did anyone have it? Who had it? Had it. The I doctor. It. Of course the doctor oh. had it. Okay. Bick All right. Landa's Next one. question. Next one.
2: Quote, sometimes I like to listen to Taylor Swift in my room and cry about cats that have died.
1: Same.
0: That's got to be. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that was yeah. me, and yeah, i that Absolutely. So. That is definitely from Tumblr. Over 20.
2: Eight-year-old. Um, Go! No, I'm just kidding. It's it's uh, no, it is. Eight, it's eight-year-old. It's a, <laughs> is it is it. Wait, what is it? It's an eight-year-old or it's older? It's an eight-year-old. Bickley. I don't in the
0: trust lead, the veracity but Emily of this got it. At all. Okay, one for Emily, two for Bickley. The doctor is
2: leading. Bad at okay. All right. Next quote. Mom, Dad, you need to help me.
4: Oh. Oh, come on. I'm
2: gonna say over 20. Yeah.
0: We're all saying over 20. Absolutely.
2: It is in fact over 20. That's that is. Four-year-old <laughs> sign at a resist oh. protest.
0: That is pathetic. I didn't resist so That is so (laughs) pathetic. Okay, so we all got that one. Next one. All right, next Uh, quote. Resist adulthood. I
2: really (laughs) love being human, but some days I really wish I could just be a fairy.
4: Um, This is, hmm. Let's hope. Let's uh, just hope, please.
0: I'm gonna say under 10.
2: Okay, this is a woman or a girl named Emily. At four years old. Hey, all right. I Feel a little under bit better. Under ten. All right.
0: So n- none for Emily. We That'd got have it. Been truly okay.
2: The next one is quote. Can I wear a bear costume at your wedding as I'm the ring bear? Can I wear. 22 year old ring bear. I'm a, I'll double down on <laughs> under ten. This is Simon, age seven. Okay. Age hey, seven. Okay. Great. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Next one coming at you fast. I am a werewolf. I'm a, all right. Going right back at it.
1: Over 20.
2: I feel like this is a trick. This is 28 year old other kin named Riviera.
0: <laughs> we gotta pause for so, the people who don't. Oh, so, who got that? one I didn't get that one. You I got, got, it. It. You you got it. You I don't know. recognize other kin it. when you hear it? So, an other kin for the. Did you say over 22? Yeah. Okay, I'll have to put that. So, uh, an other this. kin is a, one of the 56 genders that now exist. According to Facebook and uh, probably every university in the country, and other kin is it's like a trans species, but not a real mm. species, like a fake species. So like I think I'm like a werewolf. I think I'm an elf I think elf we recently a made werewolf. a clip of
2: a I, cat man the same I, way.
0: I yeah, there was the well. That's there. That's a different thing. I think there are also furries. It gets very furries. complicated. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that later. Um, sorry, keep going, Marshall.
2: Okay, next one is, I am made of gold. Treat me like it. I'm going to go under
4: 10. Yeah, girl. Millennial.
2: All right, the answer is, that is a 20-something woman's sign at the Women's March rally in Washington, D.C. Yeah,
1: there right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I'm going to start using that. I like that line.
2: <laughs> I, I am, am gold. Like who, who had it? Who, who got it? I tell it? myself I that in the mirror every morning. <laughs> I would have a
4: poster of that on my wall.
2: I am gold. All right, the next one is, quote, it's about creating a home here. <laughs> All
0: right, that is a gimme, but it's really sad that it's a gimme. That is... Yale all right, student Geraldine Luther. Huh?
2: All got right. That is Gerilyn Luther, a <laughs> Yale undergraduate, Michael's old best friend. That yeah, that's that is
0: that's my old my old professor Jerilyn Luther. Next one coming
2: at you. Quote: Donald Trump is a bad man. What do you say that for? He just is.
0: But Donald Trump is a bad man. What do you say that for? He just is. Oh, yeah. that's given that logical progression. You,
1: anyone on over Twitter over
0: 20. You think it's? i
1: bet
0: th- it. Uh. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say over 20. I'm going to...
2: This is Kylie, six years old.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Might have lost my lead.
0: Allie got it. Uh, Let's see who's... No, okay, so right now the doctor, Dr. Bickley, and Allie are tied.
2: All right, let's break that tie with the next quote. I don't vote. I don't do no voting. (laughs) That's under 10.
1: Oh, I think that's... it. that's
4: that's over 20. This is, in fact...
2: Famous rapper and Coachella headliner Kendrick Lamar, 30 years old.
4: <laughs> over oh, 20 and highly man. successful. Who got, who got that one? It was, yeah. uh, I didn't know. It was yeah. I think analogy. we're still tied.
0: <laughs> wow. All right. Oh, sorry. Kendrick.
2: Donald Trump hates brown people.
0: I'll say over 20, right? Hmm. I could see some, some yeah. like a college person saying that. Do we have our votes in? Um, Allie, I need an answer.
1: ah, I'm so sorry. Is that
0: your final answer? Okay. Sure. This is Chelsea Handler, 42 years old. Chelsea (laughs) Handler. Allie, the only one not to get Uh, it. We all knew. I didn't know it was Handler, though. Okay.
1: Sweet Chelsea.
2: All right, next one. Quote. Next one. I know Trump hates brown people.
0: That's the same quote. I know Trump hates
2: people (laughs) with brown skin. That's still the same. Is that a, that is a different quote? This is a different quote. This is Charlie I, at five years old. It's hard to no, get. I no, mean, oh, wait, It's oh. hard to tell Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Well, hold on. I guess we had the I who was that. over I 20.
0: Bickley was picking up over Honor 20. Honor system. I would have missed it. I, yeah, I would have so missed it. So we're tied. All right. Emily know, and Allie, Allie both got Heather. it.
2: Hard to differentiate, guys. Next okay. one. Quote If Donald Trump becomes president, I'm going to be super, super mad and I'll move to a different world. Oh,
0: man. I don't. I could I'm actually getting nervous about this now. I, uh, yes. Yeah, it could have been like any celebrity, I guess. Over t- we all say over 20. Okay, this is it. Blake, five years old.
4: It's
1: really sad that we can't differentiate. It's,
0: this is really sad. None of us got this that This is point. the last quote. Okay. All right, sort so the, by the way, so right now, Allie and the doctor are tied. This is the tiebreaker, possibly.
2: Okay, tiebreaker, here pressure. we go. Quote. If he were to be elected, I'm moving to Jupiter. Also also basically the same quote. I am going to go under, under 10. God bless. This is Cher at age
0: 1,410. Cher? Sh-
2: uh, it's Cher. Sure. <laughs> yeah, this is Cher. <laughs> Who
0: got it? Oh, you both? Oh, all right.
4: Both got well, it. Well, so
0: Emily and I lost. Uh, there's a tie between the good Dr. Bickley and Allie, but you know what? None of that matters. Because there are no winners and losers here at the Michael Knowles Show. There are only participation trophies. Thank you all for participating. Thank you so I feel like we're all number one. Don't you feel like we're just all number one? Sure,
3: I'll give you a fist bump, too. I'm supposed to be number one. That's I'm supposed to be.
0: I'm supposed to be. This is not about an intellectual space. It's about creating a home here. That's, that's going to that's be the really motto cool. of my show. Okay, <laughs> panel, thank you all for coming on. We have got to... <laughs> it was so stupid. We have got to get to the important news of the day. Before we do that. That
1: wasn't the important news of the (laughs) day.
0: Yeah, that was was the news to me of the day. That was the most important news to me. Now, before we get to all of this important news about Republican propaganda and Jimmy Kimmel's craziness and meat-eating vegetarians and shrieking women who are being mean to veterans, we have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. I know, you want to watch more. We have Ali Stuckey in studio. Best day ever. But in order to do that, you have to go to dailywire.com, you have to pay $10 per month, $100 per year. That's nothing. You know what you get for all that? You get me. You get the Andrew Clavin show. You get the Ben Shapiro show. I know what you're thinking. So what? So what? Well, this is what? The Leftist Tears This It is the perfect vessel for all of the Leftist Tears, and they are flowing day by day. I actually have a beautiful jimmy kimmel vintage 2017 in here right now it is absolutely indestructible it's made of crushed up Steven crowder mugs that have been consolidated into i think t- titanium i think that's how titanium is made so go over to dailywire.com right now we'll be right back panel. MSNBC is now reporting that, quote, Republican propaganda efforts reach new, alarming level. They're referring to a piece that's out in the AP that shows that the Republican Governors Association now has a website. The Republican Governors Association is publishing a website. It's called the Free Telegraph. And it publishes stories that the Republican Governors Association wants you to hear. This is obviously alarming because now Republicans have a very tiny media outlet. Uh, Dr. Bickley, as an expert, what is your take on partisan media throughout American history?
4: As a doctor, I feel... And a millennial. Vaguely bad about it. Mm -hmm. But I feel that um, this, you know, this story, I I looked at the MSNBC report on it, which is more hyperbolic than the AP even, which is remarkable. (laughs) <laughs> and the the sense of like there's no self awareness mm-hmm. with these media outlets about the absolute monopoly they have on all the major outlets the print tv overt bias mm-hmm. all of their reporting and they're they're really outraged about it and there's there's one thing that I'll give them that I think is actually legitimate I do think initially the governors association uh, should have made it very clear they were actually sponsoring it. They didn't Mm. for a second. AP called them out. They put that at the bottom of the website. Mm. With that disclosure, great, whatever. Bring it on, yeah. What they're not asking, and they won't ever ask this, is why did they feel the necessity to actually create this thing? There's a reason, right? There's no Democrats creating this. They don't have to. So they're not going to look at it like that. They're going to have... The sensational headlines. And and the unself
0: awareness of MSNBC reporting on AP reporting on this. Yeah. The yeah. The, the left owns all of the mainstream media. Outlets. There's the echo chamber. There's right there. the echo chamber. There was that study that came out that 93% of mainstream reporting about Donald Trump has been negative compared to uh, reporting in the 40s about Obama and in the 50s about Bush. There is this huge uh, bias in the media. But all of this is even relatively recent. The, there were always partisan media outlets in the United States. There was the Tennessee Democrat, there was the Oklahoma Republican, and then, starting after World War II, we started to have the so-called objective journalist outlets. Allie, you're a journalist. You do real news and fake news. What, what happened? Was there ever really an objective media moment in the United States?
1: Um, I do think that it's hard to deny that we've become in our journalism increasingly biased, um, especially when we don't have all of the facts of the story. Case in point, Russia. It's been reported as fact for probably over a year now, um, and yet we don't even now, after a year of reporting, have nearly enough facts to be able to say that he is guilty, that Trump is guilty of Russia collusion, and yet it's been reported as fact. I don't think that used to be the case. I do think that um, in yesteryear, it used to be, let us gather all of the facts that we have, and then let us come to that conclusion. Uh, but rather, we start with the conclusion, and then we back up from there. And I think that's where it gets dangerous.
0: I do agree. It's much clearer now. We can clearly see which we know that MSNBC is left-leaning. They say it. They say lean forward on their commercials, and we know that the Free Telegraph is sponsored by the RGA. But I'm even reminded of Walter Cronkite, the so-called most trusted man in America. He unilaterally conceded the Vietnam War. He said the war was lost when the war was not lost. So maybe it's clearer now, but I I think it was always there and just maybe more insidious. Emily, do you think that we need an objective media? Or should we just have the right and the left and the Republican and the Democrat press shops fighting with one another and we piece them together and get all the facts?
3: How do you even go about getting an unbiased media source? There is no unbiased media source. How would you even make one? Yeah. We're all people. We all have our own biases. We're all going to write it.
0: Or at least our own point of view.
3: At least our own point of view. Um, And I think that the burden is much less on media outlets. First of all, I think it was very funny that they called... Uh, The Free Telegraph, like, masquerading as news, because, I mean, let's look on Vice. Let's look at any documentary that pretends to be informative, even those, like, little Vox- Bubble videos they do, where they're educating you and they're informing you. Mm -hmm. That's explanatory
0: journalism. It's explanatory journalism. What kind of other journalism is there, by the way? Journalism is supposed to be explanatory. We do
3: know that climate change from Vox has educated me Mm -hmm. that climate change is actually the cause of the Syrian conflict.
0: Mm, But they've re-educated you. Yeah, (laughs) they have re-educated
3: me. So So, you know, first of all, you are so
0: woke, Emily. I read so many blogs. I envy how woke you are.
3: It's. It's tough, it's not easy being this woke, but mm-hmm. I think that, first of all, the lines are blurred as to what is news and what is media. You know, it's all information, it's all biased. There's no way we can come up with an unpartisan source of information. Mm-hmm. We can only make our biases clear. And secondly, the burden, is, the burden is on the reader. The burden is on the absorber of information to go back and, and understand what that is. I was listening to an NPR clip a long time ago that um, live on NPR. The, the reporter said that um, Trayvon Martin was shot by a white man.
0: Oh, a white Hispanic man. Yeah, you know that white Hispanic man? There's no, there's no <laughs> way
3: to, like, report that. There's no way to, like, say, you know, George Zimmerman was not. I couldn't call in, you know. It's up to us to know what the research is, to do it on our own.
0: And to avoid fake news sites like the Washington Post and the New York Times.
3: And the Daily Wire.
0: Absolutely. And, the, that's right, and the Daily Wire. they did The left did list us as like the number three <clears throat> biggest fake news site out there. I don't know that we've ever run a fake story, by the way, but no, leave it to the left. All right, we need to get, I mean, the news is hilarious right now. But do you know what isn't hilarious is late night comedians. Jimmy Kimmel is getting back in the humorless partisan hack business with his latest rant about Republican health care reform. Not only did Bill Cassidy fail the Jimmy Kimmel test, he failed the Bill Cassidy test. He failed his own test. And you don't see that happen very much. This bill he came up with is actually worse than the one that, thank God, Republicans like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and John McCain torpedoed over the summer. And I hope they have the courage and good sense to do that again with this one, because these other guys who claim they want Americans to have better health care, even though eight years ago they didn't want anyone to have health care at all. They're trying to sneak this scam of a bill they cooked up in without an analysis from the bipartisan Congressional Budget Office. They don't even want you to see it.
2: Ha 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 ha
0: ha ha ha. Good one, Jimmy. Allie, do you remember when Jimmy Kimmel was funny? Me neither. I
1: think that was before we were born, Michael. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, no, I don't. And unfortunately, he's just, he's wrong. He's factually wrong. I'm sorry, but do you remember when Republicans eight years ago didn't want people to have health care? Is there anyone that you know in Congress who doesn't want people to have health care? Um, yeah, of course. We I, want him
0: dying in the streets, I thought.
1: Right. It's fun. It's kind of fun for us to watch. Yeah, yeah. That's what the memo
0: said, at least, from yeah, the Daily that's Telegraph. That's why I'm a
1: Republican, <laughs> right. Well, that's apparently what he thinks, and that's what he's convincing his audience by masquerading as a comedian. Um, and it, it's sad that we see people, one, conflate health care and health coverage, and then... And then just use their platform, that's supposed to be one of comedy and entertainment, as a way to as a way to present fake news and and alternative facts, mm-hmm. and then turn around and tell us that we're the ones who lied and that we're the ones who didn't pass our own test. Doesn't make any sense.
0: Emily, this guy is not like Bob Hope or Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson was actually a pretty left-wing guy. He very rarely talked about his politics in interviews. Occasionally he would let it slip a little bit. I favor more abortion or this, or higher taxes or whatever. Virtually never on air. He just was a great late-night host who told jokes mm-hmm. wither self-control among late-night comedians. Why has it gone away?
3: Uh, first of all, The Daily Show.
0: Mm. I think,
3: I think when mm-hmm. we go back to... Where does news end and media begin? Where does entertainment start and information end? It's all sort of rolling into one, and especially since we've gone through this extremely partisan political election, um, you're looking at people who want to make politics funny, and it's funny, haha, because everybody's going to laugh along with me. Because if you don't,
0: mm-hmm. you're
3: you're the person in the wrong. You're it's the, sort of like what, the problem. Yeah, it's like what Liz Lemon said on Thirty Rock, where she's like. Ain't no party like a Liz Lemon party, because a Liz Lemon party is mandatory.
2: <laughs>
3: but I, I do want to ask a question. Is that the the one thing that I was noticing that Jimmy Kimmel didn't say was two words, uh, Charlie Gard.
2: Charlie. <laughs> didn't, didn't that didn't
0: even occur to me. did bring up. That is that is the defeater for their for this exact argument. There, that's how government health care works. Is a crying, determined family trying to save their son will be told absolutely no by the government.
3: Wanting to bring him to the country with the best, best health care mm-hmm. in the world.
0: But I thought we have the worst health care. I thought Jimmy Kimmel told me we have Everyone the worst
1: health care. Everyone else healthcare. has it figured out except for us. Mm-hmm. That,
0: like Cuba, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Cuba with all of their empty hospitals. Absolutely right. That That is a really great point because there's this little bit of compassion that we feel and we don't realize that the road to hell is paved with good intentions and that a government that can give you everything you want can also take away everything you have and, that's not that, funny. and that and that isn't funny I ain't laughing Jimmy. Dr. Bickley.
4: You know the whole the, this to me wraps into the argument about you know, the discussion about the bias thing and <clears throat> I think there's been a you know like a more and more uh, thorough embrace of relativism where you think well there's, uh, there's no truth you know from the left and thus, you know, you, you present your own facts, right? And I, I feel like the same thing is happening from on, in the entertainment mm. business, where it's like, there isn't, um, this is our, our whole ideology or something like that, hangs on even the entertainment industry now, and it's sort of a, we're all gearing up toward presenting our truth and our reality. And that's sort of overtaken the purpose of the the, the different medium. And they, absolutely. So is he's lost the he's lost a sense of like what, what am I actually here to do? I'm here, I'm here to entertain. I'm here to entertain. And a wide audience as wide as possible. And that's not that's not actually what he's trying to do. He's actually thinks that he is he, he's there to propagate an ideology. Mm-hmm. It is the tail wagging the dog, and he he's excoriating Bill
0: Cassidy, Senator Cassidy, for promising one aspect of health care reform and then changing it slightly. Whatever happened to if you want to keep your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And then millions of Americans lose their health insurance and lose their doctors. He, he seems to have forgotten about that. He's shocked. He has the tears in his eyes. Is it, though, I wonder that – I mean, these guys are all professionals. They're all showbiz guys. Is it that – they're so moved by their ideology that they can't help but push it all the time? Or do they think it's going to get them better ratings in this fractured, politicized media environment?
4: The Jon Stewart point is a great point because I think they saw a lot of these uh, similar-minded um, entertainers saw like a, a real success story there and think that they can imitate it. Mm-hmm. And th- no one's been able to pull it off. No, absolutely. Trevor Noah can't do it who's a talented, enjoyable guy that's kind of generally likable. He's pretty much flopping.
3: Yeah, he's not.
4: He's definitely not significant like John Stewart. John Stewart every week would make headlines, and it would matter. It would move the needle, mm-hmm. and it would move the conversation. None of these guys can pull it off. But I think they think they can do it. You know, and I, I think there's so much ego. I mean, even his he his test he names it the jimmy kimmel test yeah, the jimmy kimmel I understand test. that he's you know he's in a dialogue with the with the congressman but he's but he still he embraces it he is the test me me and, me and if you don't if you don't actually uh, meet his standards mm-hmm. you fail the test and that's what matters that, i mean that's it, well that's what the founders ego. and the
0: framers talked about right that <laughs> yeah. good, good legislation for yeah. the republic had to meet the jimmy kimmel test yeah, yeah, it's in federalist 50 50- at oh, nine or something, yeah. Yeah, the section mm-hmm. on uh, uh, they were able night, night to... show hosts.
3: I'm surprised they were but... able to see that far ahead in the future to know who Jimmy was. That's right.
0: Well, well you know, speaking of the, uh, <laughs> the tribute that Vice pays to virtue and hypocrisy, according to a new study out of Britain, one out of three self-identified vegetarians eat meat when they are drunk, which is a little strange because I eat carbohydrates when I'm drunk. I eat pizza and stuff. Who knows? Different strokes for different folks. Allie.
1: Yes.
0: Does this mean that we cannot trust how one self-identifies, perhaps?
1: Oh my goodness, this is a really deep question coming from eating. Um, it really made me
0: think this study, you know?
1: Yeah, well, my thought was exactly what your thought was, is that if I was in that situation, I want biscuits, I want bread, I want toast, all the things Just, I just wonder what it is about, like, mm, I just want a juicy steak after a few beers, that it is. But I, I think it does, um, yeah, it does beg the question, are are we who we think we are? Sober. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the big philosophical question of the day, and we're done. In See? vino veritas is, is
0: always been my mantra. <laughs> Emily, these a third of vegetarians are eating meat when they're when they're drunk. Does it perhaps suggest that mankind is meant to eat meat? That we're built to eat meat, and we should stop with these gnostic and ridiculous heresies that tell us that we have to uh, save Gaia by only eating lettuce and things like that?
3: Um, absolutely.
0: <laughs> As a millennial, absolutely. As
3: a millennial. As um, a
0: vegetarian, get me a drumstick. We're
3: never supposed to eat meat. Mm-hmm. This is this is absolutely <laughs> forbidden. Um, don't eat anything that has a face. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. <laughs> you know? I, I hear this all the time, so I'm so a vegetarian. That friends.
3: leaves us with only other millennials to eat. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's true. They're, they certainly don't have any chests. Internet trolls. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. Men without chests. Doctor, you're an expert. What do
4: we make of this crazy study? Well, again, as a doctor, uh, you know, I feel like there's truth that comes out when you're drunk. But there's—it's not all truth, man. What? It's you not say. all
0: truth. I've never
4: experienced this. You do some some stuff, bad things I mean. happen when you're drunk. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's just the thing that I don't let myself do, I do. Mm. Is that who you are? That's a hard question. See,
1: that's a good, thats what I was thinking because we can't apply that logic because you said, okay, so does this mean that people shouldn't be vegetarians that we should eat meat because they eat meat when they're drunk? Do you have to apply that to everything? Every man's you heart do? is evil from the beginning. Okay. I'm just (laughs) gonna. No, you make make a good point. Never mind. Maybe we
0: don't want to indulge our darkest fantasies like chicken McNuggets or something.
1: Maybe it actually means that we're not supposed to eat meat because you are Mm -hmm. making bad decisions when you're drunk. And if they're eating pepperoni when they're drunk, then maybe that just means we're just all supposed to be vegetarians.
0: Snaps, you've convinced me. We have to move on in viral. Video news. This thing I woke up actually Allie, I think you tweeted this out this morning. That's where I saw it. It will get you your daily dose of outrage. This will make your blood boil. I'm not
1: going to be my pants to myself. I'm going to push it just like I, I do. There's nothing you can do about it. No, it's nothing. It's okay. I'm leaving it's because okay. the food is nasty okay. and there's a dog. So what? What do you it, want to do about it? Nothing. Hey, he's alive because he fought for our country you know? Congratulations!
0: Marshall, I might cut it off right there. Do you by any chance have a translation of that into English? Do you have an English translation of that exchange? Yeah, that's about about what I heard, too. That video, for those of you who couldn't see, is a woman in a dining establishment screaming at a military veteran for carrying in his PTSD service dog. Wow. Emily, how has America gotten to this place?
3: (laughs) Um... That's a really difficult question I don't think I can answer, but I think it just circles back to millennials.
0: I agree. I blame millennials, too. Fair enough for me. Yeah. Doctor. Well said. Succinct. Are we so ungrateful? Why are we so ungrateful? That's
4: hard to watch, man. That's really little, hard to watch. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a response to that video. You're all, it's, it is actually... It,
0: it isn't it like you can't, you can't come up with... an It's so shocking to watch that you don't yeah. believe that it's really happening. You know, right. only 2% of, of people in the country today have ever served in the military. The 2% of the country has ever served in the U.S. military. Does that explain our ingratitude during the, the world wars, during the greatest generation? Everybody served in the military. Or is it, is, is the essence, does the ingratitude come from ignorance of what these people have gone through, Ali?
1: It shouldn't, because as millennials, I mean, we've been in a war the majority of our lives. But we, we haven't
0: gone over there. No, we haven't
1: gone over there. That's very true, and you do make a good point, but we're familiar with it probably in a way that people... Over here, weren't when the great world or when the great wars were going on simply because of what we can see in the media and how many of our own contemporaries have fought. I know you said it's not a lot, but we've been familiar with it our entire mm-hmm. lives. So I think the ingratitude has nothing to do with the percentage of people that have actually fought, but just again, this um, attitude of entitlement that we have been indoctrinated into feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the the deference that people feel, both for their country and people who fought for their country, um, it's just not where it was. And almost it's become a bad thing to honor the vets and to honor the country and the flag and the Pledge of Allegiance and all of that. And so I think it's just a a lack of deference and just an apathy towards anything that has to do with patriotism and a taking for granted of the freedoms that we have.
0: Mm -hmm. And you're right that we have seen images of this war We've seen it on TV. We've seen it all (coughs) over the Internet. But you know what I think? I don't think they see the guy protecting their freedom, I think all they see is Abu Ghraib and they see these random memes that are usually incorrect on the data, that we've killed all these civilians and they have no sense of why we actually went there in the first place. They have no sense with regard to Iraq that the policy of the United States government since the 90s was regime change in Iraq, that the policy of the United Nations was regime change in Iraq, that they they, they had chemical weapons programs, that they had had a nuclear weapons program. They don't have any of that. They just see America bad and they, and they hate their country and they don't respect it. it. It does seem to be echoes of the Vietnam War. We, is it ever thus? Is there any way out of this uh, apathy and this ignorance of where our own freedoms come from? Solve it all for us, Emily. Tell us the answer.
3: Uh, yeah. Have everybody sign up for the military. Uh, well, make, it like wanna, make it like Israel. Make it mandatory. That seems mm-hmm. really
0: hard. I don't. I'm not a very strong guy. I don't. I just kind of was hoping I could like read a blog or something. Mm-hmm. You think I that's promise. what we need? You think we need a <coughs> national civil service? I
3: think you need to read more blogs. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think you need to give
3: up meat. <laughs> yeah. And I think you need to uh, enlist in the military. Enlist in the military. And, At least one of those ahead.
0: might be helpful to the country.
3: Definitely
4: the blogs. Mm-hmm. Dr. Um, Bickley, final thoughts? Yeah. You know, I think it's it's more. It's even more. Uh, To me it's even worse than a um, lack of respect or something. There's actually been such an undercurrent in education of animosity or vilification of Mm -hmm. the the military in general. And then I think also it complicates things with Iraq and stuff. It's one thing to fight against the white Germans, but I think Mm -hmm. racism, the idea of racism has so saturated everything you know it's like every it it impacted the view on everything racism is the greatest evil Mm -hmm. right and so just by americans fighting people of a different a recognizably different race it's already got this negative connotation
0: that's right world war ii was the best war ever as some historians have called it because
4: it's equal it's It's equal
0: either european but this is different that uh, that's an insightful point that i hadn't considered how do, we, how, so do fearful, we, how do we fight the brown people? That's how we're gonna leave it on Dr. Bickley's profound question <laughs> in America's military future. That is our panel. Excellent discussion today. Allie, thank you for coming in. Allie Stuckey from The Blaze, Emily Butler, and the good doctor himself, Dr. Bickley. I'm Michael Knowles, this is the Michael Knowles Show. Get your mailbag questions in. We'll change your life tomorrow. Tune in then and we'll see you tomorrow.